You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Worshipology podcast. Hey, listen, today uh, I've got probably one of my favorite songwriters ever, and I just love this guy's voice, love his heart. Great worship leader, Robbie C. Say what's up, man. <laughs> hey, you, you, I appreciate you saying you love my voice because you're going to get the morning voice right now. Like we're, we're recording oh, this in the morning. Fresh coffee. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when people are going to listen, but this is my morning voice. I always say like my Johnny Cash voice. Like I got to sing some Johnny Cash. Right? Oh, nice. It, it takes you down a couple octaves. <laughs> definitely takes me down. I mean, that, that's a funny that's a funny point because, you know, we're, we're usually leading on Sunday mornings and, you know, you get there at like what? 6 a.m. to do sound check <laughs> yeah. and everything. So, you know, I, we have rehearsal. We actually had rehearsal last night. It's a Thursday night rehearsal. And so the keys that you can sing on Thursday night are not always the keys you can hit on Sunday <laughs> yeah. morning. Yeah, totally. But well, uh, even from rehearsal to the first ser- first service, you, you, you can probably right. bump up half a step. But yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. you definitely feel it. And I, I always said, like, there's no other cultural context that a large group of people are gathering and singing before 10 a.m. You know what I mean? I just can't oh, think of any. So good. I can't think of any other setting where it's like, you know what? It's super early. Let's all sing really loud. It just doesn't. Right. It doesn't happen. So yeah, uh, I know worship leaders feel that. Uh, they they feel that. Man, I and I I kind of grew up s- singing and never did like vocal exercises. I totally should have warm ups. Like just I was like, yeah, let's just get in there and sing it. And uh, that mm-hmm. has that has changed. Like I, I got, oh, wow. I got like the the ten minute like warm up in the car, and then another warm up when I get there. Because otherwise, like in the mornings, I just like, man, I I am feeling gassed. This voice is well, <laughs> this voice is not ready. That's interesting, man. Because you know I'm kind of in the same way. Never really did vocal warm ups, and we actually just brought up Diane Sheets. She's a vocal coach in Nashville. Okay, amazing heart, great worshiper. Uh, just I mean, she just loves Jesus, and she just talked to our team about caring for your voice and. Ever since then, I've just kind of thought about it in a different way of like, you know, careful what I drink in the morning, careful how I, you know, uh, sing and not, you know, yell kind of thing. And so, but I mean, your voice is so unique. Is that just kind of something you stumbled on? Like you were singing and and somebody was like, hey, that doesn't stink, you know? (laughs) I'm literally... Maybe share just a little bit of your story. Like, how'd you get into ministry, music, worship leading? Like, how did you kind of discover, oh, maybe I got a knack for this? Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm literally drinking coffee as you say this so like it, it, the oh, same. I, I love the vocal coaches until they're like you know you really need to get off coffee and I'm like you know I don't know if you know what you're talking about actually so we that's where we differ <laughs> we're gonna have to part ways here no man I, I so I, I, the, the funny part I was thinking about this last night just knowing that you and I would chat probably you know just talk about some of this kind of like what was your past and upbringing and I grew up in a family that that uh that sang and so like we grew up in the church hmm. we literally would have like family concert like the c family concert wow uh we never that's awesome we never uh i don't we weren't good enough to like record an album thankfully but we definitely like (laughs) we gave concerts like we gave concerts as a family and i probably at like 10 years old i mean i remember this vividly i was uh we were actually at my grandfather's church because he was probably kind enough to to invite us to sing and i threw the (laughs) i threw the microphone down in the in the rehearsal and said i don't want to be a singer that, that, oh wow! So, 
uh, just a, a prophetic word, like speaking over my life, like God going like, oh, you don't want to be a singer. All right, cool. Uh, guess what you're doing for the rest of your life. Pat. Wow. Um, I, I, so I rejected that. There was like probably, you know, those, those kind of weird, awkward preteen years. I'm just like, whatever my family is into, I'm not into. I mean, I don't know if anybody else mm. relates to that, but like whatever they're into. Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, nope, not doing the music thing. And then at like maybe 13, 14, um, uh, picked up a guitar, met some guys. We started a really terrible band, um, <laughs> but loved it. You know what I mean? It's like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I grew up, so I'm old enough. Like I didn't grow up, and I tell I tell my son this, who's a musician. He's 20, but I grew up. Uh, there was no like, there was no YouTube. There was no social media. And the benefit right. the benefit to that is like you 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 go write a bunch of really terrible songs that you think are great and you perform them, but it's not uh, documented for the whole world to consume immediately. You know what I mean? And mm. so you can kind of like wrestle down your, <laughs> you know, you can kind of figure yeah. out and 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 kind of uh, pick this apart and go, man, these okay, these songs are great. How do I? Am I a songwriter? How does this look? You you have the, the there's some space there. Um, that I don't know that a without, lot without the pressure, yeah, without man, the pressure of the world watching, yeah, yeah. I just think of my twenty-year-old, and I just think, man, it's tough because you know you you you. I think there's there's a, a need to put whatever you're working on out there immediately. And as anybody mm. who's anybody who's written a song, or man, I, I can't, I can't. The visual, I love, I love seeing great painters and like just fine art, but like, I can't paint worth a lick. But anybody who's got some <laughs> creative outlet. And it doesn't just come together on the whim, and you you don't just launch a song as soon as it comes to your to your mind, and and wow. uh, and then to to pen to paper. And so, and anyway, man, I grew up in an era where it was like, man, we just so I just Robbie, can I can I pause you there? Yeah, because that's 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 so good because I, I you know we've got worship leaders, songwriters listening to this, and I think you're so spot on with the the idea that like, man, we do feel like, oh, I wrote something today, let's sing it this Sunday. Yeah, what what, what is what is kind of like been your process then of kind of like do you, do you just kind of sit with a song at home for a little bit do you maybe show it to one or two people do you kind of you know live in that in your personal worship space what does that look like before maybe taking a song out of your own devotional time no that's good man and i, I remember being you know probably when i was 19 or 20 i um my wife and i uh at the time was my girlfriend liz uh we've been married 25 years this summer by the way let's go amazing uh, amazing <laughs> let's go and we we went and saw rich mullins um a mm. little less than a year before he passed away but we we wow. we got to hear him uh share on songwriting and i just remember something that stuck with me he just said you know, uh, he was talking about his grandmother being a, a quilter. She would take these pieces of fabric and she would slowly like piece them together and always seemed kind of random to him until she presented wow. this massive like quilt blanket. Mm-hmm. And it was all these different pieces of fabric that came together to form this really beautiful uh, quilt. And he was saying songwriting is like that. Sometimes you think songwriting is like the lightning bolt moment. And really it's more of a, a collect, usually a collection of moments, thoughts, ideas, scriptures, conversations, stirring, and then, man, God willing, the Holy Spirit really infusing um, and giving you the power that that's needed to, to put those things together. And so I say all that to say, like, I've just, I've tried to grow up in that uh, process, and I, I don't know about you, and you and I have actually written songs together, but I, I, I don't know if mm-hmm. you've, I, I just don't ever, ever feel like, oh, you know what, now I have figured out songwriting. 
I just, I don't ever, <laughs> right? I don't ever feel like that. Maybe it's the insecurity. Maybe it's, I, you know, maybe there's a maturity there, but I don't ever See, go. I felt, <laughs> I felt the opposite. I've been like, mate, I, I think I finally got in that, gotten it figured out. And then I show it, I show it to two or three people and yeah. they're like, no, you, you still stink. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that, maybe that's true. I, I'm, I'm more scared <laughs> to show it to people, I think. So, but, but so, but what that's, what that's meant is, um, is I've had to really give thought and intention. And I think to your question, like, okay, what does that mm. look like? And I, I just, I was talking to a guy yesterday about this, just feeling like um, the older that I've gotten in, in terms of, and I, I enjoy songwriting more than more today than I did even, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And I think it's, wow. it's because I, I feel more like a curator um, of the ideas and thoughts and, and voice memos, right? And, and, mm. and the notes and, and I've, I've got this collection of moments and pieces and fragments and, and to, to Rich Mullen's point of these kind of pieces of, of, of fabric that I get to curate and pull together. And so when I do get intention, like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of my computer right now, I, I, on my calendar, I've got a songwriting day in a couple weeks where I'll go out wow. to a friend's, he's got a ranch that he lets me go out to. And I'm not looking for inspiration when I get out there. I mean, if it happens, great. But I've been mm. I've been continually inspired in the word, in the highs, in the highs and lows of life, in the challenges, in the beauty. But now I've got to spend some time actually pulling the, all those things together. I've got to curate wow. what's what's uh, what's already there in fragment and make and see see if the Lord wants to make a whole. And so, you know, to, to your question, I, I think to me there actually has been. I used to say if you asked me that ten years ago, I'd be like, man, I don't know. There's no process. I'll just kind of hope. You know, songs come out. You know, when they want to come out, and mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I I just don't know. I think the the more that I've done this, I've gone okay. That's not gonna that's not going to sustain itself. <laughs> and so yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe there, and, and I remember Rich Mullins also saying, you know, there's, there's certain tools in your tool belt. So yes, you will have moments of inspiration, but when they arrive, when that happens, do you have the tools to actually know what to, to do with that moment? Wow. And, uh, and I think part of that tool is to, to, to have these rhythms and to have some ways that you can actually curate and pull the thoughts together. That's so good. I think, I think you just hit it on the head because we have, so many ideas, you know, and especially in the day and age of voice memo on your iPhone, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you just have so many ideas that can be sitting there. And let's both be honest, you know, I, I've probably got 300 voice memos on my phone that I'll never do anything with, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but, but it's making that space where you do go out to a ranch or a cabin or even just take, you know, six hours on a Saturday morning and say, look, I need to shift and sift through all of these ideas and pull out the gold and mine what I've got. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that, man. Great, great book. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm sure you have the, the art of curating worship. I haven't. Um, Oh man, so good. Definitely check that out. It's by some guy in New Zealand uh, whose name is escaping me right now, but um, I love that man. Now talk to me a little bit about, cause you know, I gotta be honest, your song, Song of Hope, I don't think there was a worship leader who wasn't doing that uh, in the, in the 2007 to 10 range. And, and that really, um, for me as a guy who kind of came out of rock bands and leading worship, you know, when I heard that guitar riff, I was like, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then you kind of had, you know, kind of more, some acoustic projects, um, you know, uh, if the devil would have come to me, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's one of my favorites. Um, and then more recently you've kind of been diving into these records with the Psalms. Talk to me about that as, as you're talking about, you know, songwriting and then of course diving into 150, 
incredible songs. What, what's your heart behind that project and how have the Psalms kind of shaped your, your life of leading and songwriting and all of that? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, to the Psalms specifically, I mean, I, there was years ago, I was in a conversation with a group of worship leaders and it was actually worship leaders and scholars in the same room. <laughs> and it was clear, mm, it was clear wh- who was who, you know, it was like, all right, worship leaders <laughs> sit over here. Um, and, and there was a, a, a biblical scholar who basically addressed this, this room of worship leaders and said, you know, you guys are, are modern Psalmist. And I, so the, I, I'm assuming that you've got a you know wealth of knowledge uh, in regards to the Psalter, and that you've wow. studied the Psalter in a way that's substantial, and that's informed your worship leading and songwriting. And I just remember being mm-hmm. being in that room and wanting to go, yes, yes, that's true, yes, that's. But I don't know that that was necessarily true. Of course, I you know um, read the Psalms like everybody else. Of course, they had meaning mm-hmm. to me. Um, but not in the way that this guy just described as it relates to me as a as a worship pastor and as a worship leader and as a as a as a uh, a hymn writer as a psalmist that mm-hmm. was not true and i just i just felt the conviction of the spirit of god to say there there needs to be a deeper connection with god's um with god's music and god's uh hymn hymn mm-hmm. god's hymnal in the middle of scripture um in a wow. way in a way that actually informs what I do, and as so, maybe there was a little bit of guilt in that. I don't know. Maybe it was, hopefully it was conviction. <laughs> but as yeah. I as I really dove in, just the joy and the beauty of the Psalms as a as a prayer book, right? It, so you know, as I wow. as I really studied and really dove in. By the way, one of the best books I read called "Reclaiming the Psalter." It's by Gordon Winham, and that mm. book was instrumental to me. And really, it's just a collection of his lectures, but. He kind of unpacked the the history of the psalms. He he unpacked um, the the variety of psalms and how they're used uh, in in the in the early you know first second third century uh, Jewish uh, worship and you know just wow. just really going a, a little bit deeper than just me reading as as a part of my devotional. And so I, I say all that wow. to, I say all that to say, man, I just I fell in love with the Psalms and what they do for believers. And I'll just say this real quickly. I mean, you know, part of the, the point that he made that's really stuck with me in his book was just that they give permission to you and I to speak to God what is on our heart. I mean, you you see wow. you see the psalmist and, and I think it was I think it was Calvin that actually said like, you know, it, the Psalms are like a mirror. So when I look into a mirror, it's like whether or not I'm looking good, and the the mirror is showing me <laughs> what I look like, right? And there are days yeah. there are days where my heart looks ugly and I have doubts and fears about who God is. I mean, I sat with a brother uh day before yesterday who had lost a, he was he, an older a friend mentor of mine who he lost his grandchild at at, at 17 months. Mm. And he was just talking about the anger and the hurt that he had felt towards God and how that he had, hadn't lost his faith, but he just felt like he had come far on, and his, he's lived long enough with the Lord that he could, wow. he could speak to the Lord and speak. And you see that in the Psalms, right? You see that. Wow. Doubts, fears, joys, highs, lows, they're all there. And so, uh, you know, when I'm thinking about, gosh, what's what songs do I want to write? I I often just come back to the Psalms and go, we, man, I want to I want to sing these. I want to give permission to the people of God to join me and say, yeah. God can handle 
what is what is on our hearts. He knows it. Wow. He knows it, and he's inviting us to respond to him. I, one more thing on this is that, and I, I forget who said it, but you know, all all of Scripture is God's word to us. And again, I'm, I'm quoting somebody. I just can't remember who said it. All of Scripture, mm-hmm. all of Scripture is God's word to us. The Psalms are given to us as our words back to God. And wow. that's what makes them is what makes them unique. And so the people of God. And one of the things that I'm praying about in this next season, I, I want to write a book. I have no idea how to write a book. All right, so you you have to help me on that. Um, <laughs> but I don't know how to write a book. But I want to get some time and just write about how Jesus interacted with the Psalms because he quoted the Psalms more than yeah, any other yeah. book, right, Curtis? I mean, you're right. He's all over the Psalms, and that wasn't just because he was, you know. Um, the Son of God, and he knew all of Scripture, it was because as a believing and practicing Jew, the Psalms were intertwined on a daily basis with, mm-hmm. the, with the worship of the one true God. And so the wow. Psalms were his prayer book. They were his hymnal. He knew them by heart. And middle-class Jew most likely didn't own a copy of the Torah, but they, a lot of them would have owned a copy of the Psalter. We don't know for sure. If Mary and Joseph, wow. and Je- but good chance he had a copy of the Psalter and memorized them. Of course, you and I know. I mean, he's in, in his final breath. He's quoting yeah. the Psalm, "Into yeah. Thy hands I commit my spirit." Wow. And so, uh, how did Jesus interact with these Psalms? It's a project I, I, I want to dive into because if he's praying them and he's singing them, and they are uh, they are essential to his worship, man, they got to be essential to mine. And, and you're totally right. I mean, as far as as far as it it goes. I mean, when you read the Psalms, there's such a wide range. I mean, you've got Psalms of triumph, you've got Psalms of lament, you've got Psalms of thanksgiving, you've got Psalms of wisdom. I mean, it just hits everything. Yeah. And let me ask you this, because I've had a lot of conversations, especially, you know, during these last couple of years where it's like, man, we need more opportunity to lament in the church. And when you're looking at the Psalms, um, and you have these psalms of lament and psalms of repentance. And, you know, if there's two things that I think we need probably more space in the church, it's 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 areas of where we can just have the space to repent uh, and, and sing that repentance. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of songs like Heart of Worship, where it's like, man, sure. where are those songs today? And so when you're looking at the psalms and you, you kind of take in this almost a commission on of like, hey, how can I maybe breathe fresh life into these songs that have been ancient hymns of the church? When you get to a psalm of lament, what do you do with that? How, how do you, how do you kind of, I don't know, like take that and say, okay, hey, how do we make this something where people can put this into their their worship life today? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and I think you and I and anybody listening who who has uh, even a songwriting bone in their body, we we've got to set the pace for that. You know, we've got to mo- mm. we've got to model that. Um, because if we're not providing that opportunity for just the, you know, the 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 school teacher, or the businesswoman, or the, the 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 small, you know, the the business owner or the lawyer who's just, you know, they're not musicians and they're they're mm-hmm. going through life, the highs and lows of life. Are we providing them an opportunity to both celebrate and lament? I mean, we we had a song years ago wow. uh, on on the record, Miracle, and the song was just called Lament, and the first line just says. We've seen mothers bury sons, and so we're begging you to come because wow. a dear friend of ours had lost their son. And you just go, look, I mean, if I don't give some type of voice for this community that we're a part of to yeah. express this to God, like, 
God, please come soon. This is not. Mm. This is not how it's supposed to be. So I think. Mm. I, I think it's. I. I. I want to. You know. I want to kind of put the pressure on the songwriters to yeah. say this is really on on us. I also would just say, Curtis, too. I think it's it's tricky because Sunday morning Sunday morning corporate worship gathering. You know, it, it's it's just complicated to say. You know, we've always got to have. Um, that moment of lament in it, and I, and I just think, and the reason I bring that up is because I think there's got to be other opportunities where we're providing that to your body outside of the corporate worship right. gathering. Now, look, there may right. there may absolutely be times, and I always described it like, you know, do you have your fingers on the pulse of your community? So, mm-hmm. look, if you have a mother who's lost a son, do you have the finger on the pulse of your community? to know how they're doing and what prayers need to be voiced. In that moment, as you gather, you probably do need to sing and lament and cry out to God. But to say it's a a part of every week, I don't know. I think that's for each of us to kind of decide, but are we providing other opportunities for our people to engage the Psalms? Because, I mean, to your point, um, you know, some scholars believe nearly half of the Psalms are right. our lament and confession. Mm. And so that's not an accident. You know, yeah. 70 plus of these psalms go there. That means we got to go there. Part of our job, I think, as worship pastors is, you know, I mean, we would look at Ephesians 4, right? It's it's about equipping the saints to do the work of the sure. ministry. I also think that's, it's, it's hey, how, how can I equip you to do this at home to do this in your living space, uh, not just to worship on a Sunday, of course, but to you know the Monday to Saturday. What does that look like? Is it a daily? Uh, is it a daily sacrifice? A daily offering? And and so you know, as you are writing, you're basically giving people language to maybe what they're going through in their hearts. And and I just love what you've done. And I, of course, you know, when when it comes to the psalm, I've you know I've kind of just been following you and seeing. Uh, you've you've kind of done some cross pollination with the Shanes down there in Texas, and sure. they're they're big on the Psalms too. Sure. And wh- where are you at right now with with that project? I know um, a couple of years ago came out with uh, uh, was it Psalm sixty six? Sure. Um, yeah. And so where where are you at right now? Is there another EP in the works? Is there uh, just kind of singles le- releasing as the as the um, unraveling, I guess, of the Psalms comes to you? Man, I don't know, and I, I just tell you this: part of the, it, you know, a lot of my energy and time over the last year, and maybe we go back to the songwriting question for a minute because, you know, yeah. I, I met a guy recently. He was like, "Man, I only write by myself. I just can't. I can't co-write. I can't write mm. in groups." And I was like, "Dude, I feel you. I understand." I, I also just encourage him. I'm like, "Man, I think you, you know, try to try to see if you can have some balance. So try to write on yeah. your own, but also, man, it's a joy." As you know, you've done a ton mm-hmm. of that, Curtis. I mean, it's like it's such a joy to hear somebody else's heart, to see their express, to see the creativity in them. And so, really, over the last year at our church, it's called Risen Church here in Houston. We just written a ton together. So I, I go out and have these ranch That's days cool. by myself. It's totally solo. But then we have these songwriting nights. Got one coming up in a couple of weeks where there's just maybe fifteen or twenty of us, and we're writing, split up into groups. I mean, you know how that goes. And just to yeah. see like what the Lord brings. Uh, to our church. And so we've actually, you know, some of that has been in the Psalms. Psalm 16 was a part of one of these. Um, wow. You know, there's, and so um, th- that I've just 
absolutely enjoyed. So I'm, I'm hoping that we record some of those psalms just as a part of our church. And then, you know, to your question about, like, what's that mean for me? Like, what's what's ahead? Man, I, I don't know. I've got, a, a, yeah. a, I feel like I've got a bunch of songs that I'm excited about. And I've tried to just hold it loosely. I mean, you know, anybody listening who's recorded music or written music, you know, it's sometimes you can get ahead of yourself <laughs> and mm-hmm. say, this is, <laughs> this is what it's going to be. And uh, I feel like there's a collection of songs that I've got right now that's like, I'm not positive how they come together. And these days, right, it's like, how do you release them? Is it singles? Is it EPs? Is it, right, like, is it right. a, the albums? Is that even a thing? You know, it's like, so... Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I have enjoyed. I'll just tell you this. Um, you know, l- long answer short is just. I've just enjoyed writing. I just really have yeah. enjoyed writing. It has been. I, I don't even think. You know, therapeutic is definitely not the word. It's been. It's. 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 It's ministered to me in a way that wow. I. I think there are times in my career that songwriting obviously was so tied to. You know, I, man, we've got to accomplish something here. Yeah. And yeah. this has got to produce something here. And and so I'm not sure um, when I'll release some more music. How I've just been so grateful that it's been a ministry to me. I just feel like the Lord has used that to speak to me, remind me of his wow. goodness, his faithfulness. I mean, Psalm, Psalm 103, I, I just, you know, I just reminded of like, you know, sometimes I think the world is just going like, who is God? Don't you just feel like a lot of the, the questions mm-hmm. out there is like, man, who is God really? And I love yeah. I love the psalmist because in multiple places, but in Psalm 103, just you know who the you know who the Lord is? He's merciful, he's gracious, yeah. he's not quick to anger. No, he's he's slow. He's slow to anger, and he's abounding, never ending in steadfast love. And wow. And so just I just feel like the Lord's using my the, the times of songwriting just to remind me, hey, you know who I am to you? No matter what's in front mm. of you, no matter what is strained, no matter what you feel like is overwhelming, this is who I am. Reminder, reminder, reminder. And so oh. um, I need that. I know, I know we all need that, but I've just needed that in the last year, and I feel grateful for that. Well, I love, I love what you just said because I heard a pastor say this week, this very week, uh, you know, he's just kind of praying about the year and trying to figure out, okay, what what do we need to preach? What are the series we need? To, you know, you get, you get in that mindset of like accomplishment. What do we got to accomplish? And and he felt the Lord say, and, and I'm still processing this, but he said, quit telling people what to do and start telling them who I am. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and it just kind of, that's just been sitting in my spirit of like, yeah, just like what you were talking about. The Psalms, they, they reveal who God is. Yeah. And and I think you're you're right. The world is searching. I mean, we can see that it doesn't take long uh, to just realize that man. Like we're we're as a as a nation, as a world, it's like who are we? And I think we need to quit asking that question and start start asking more. Like, well, well, who is God? Like, who is God? Yeah. And and for the psalmists and the songwriters listening, oh my goodness, if that's not a call to just like man, write songs of who God is. What so what. Who, you know, oh my goodness. Well, dude, I, I want to, you know, in our, our last few moments here, I just want to just kind of pick your brain a little bit. I mean, you know, you've, you've been a worship pastor, you've been a songwriter, you've, you've worn the hats, you've, you've traveled the, the, the roads of worship. Uh, if that's even a thing, I think you, you could prove it is. I mean, just what are some nuggets that you've, you've picked up along the way from, from 
I mean, obviously we've got so much gold here on songwriting, but just the worship leading and worship pastoring side of everything. Uh, what are some of those lessons you've learned? Maybe the hard way um, yeah. that we can grow from. Yeah, no, and I, I got plenty of those, you know, <laughs> plenty, <laughs> plenty of nuggets the hard way. <laughs> There's no, that's, that's, that, maybe that's the book I'm going to write, like worship nuggets the hard way. Um, Let's go. So I, I think, man, I, and I have this conversation weekly, but I, I feel like, Curtis, man, I look back on my life, uh, you know, at least up to this point and just go, my 20s were filled with a lot of creativity, a lot of, had a lot of fun, led worship a lot, wrote a lot of songs, mm-hmm. but they were mm-hmm. primarily, I mean, if I had to be honest, primarily focused on me. You know, wow, and and I I have these amazing friends uh, who are great painters, and they 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 found each other, married one another, they paint, they're unbelievable. I just remember them talking about you know it, it, the 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 vocation of the artist is a difficult one because it forces you into a certain type of selfishness, whether you like it or not. I mean, great artists are really great at what they do because yeah, they focused on themselves, right? And they spent wow. they spent most of their waking hours uh, honing a craft and focusing on them. It's you know it's kind of what my son, who's a basketball player, it's like it, that that's part of the challenge because the mm-hmm. com- the commitment it takes to try to be a college basketball player is you you there is a lot of focus on self. And so how do you pull out of that? And I just look back and go, man, I spent a ton of time focused on me, mm-hmm. and I think the Lord slowly pulled me out of that. And not always, I haven't always gotten it right. Goodness gracious, like not done this, (laughs) not done this perfectly. But I have seen any ministry that I've got, whether in the local church or beyond, has been primarily focused on raising up others. (laughs) And I know you, I've seen you do this up close. I mean, I have. Mm. And I know Mm. that the idea of the worship pastor as a developer and a, a disciple maker is is more primary than the worship pastor as an artist. I think they're all present and so good. I, you know, I, I'd love to unpack that maybe on another podcast. You know, the yeah. the worship pastor is artist, but the worship pastor is by title a pastor, and he absolutely is a developer of others and a discipler of others. And that means I lead a team. That means I'm I'm invested and the giftings and abilities and the service of those around me m- more so than I am about my own giftings and my own wow. time and energy. And so, yeah, man, learning that the hard way, there's no, there's no question. And so when I talk to churches and leaders across the country, it's one of the things that I want to just speak to the most is to say, do not lose track of the worship pastor as someone who is discipling and developing others. And, you know, by by the way, I I work with churches all the time who are looking for worship pastors as part of how I spend my time and energy. And I always say to them, you know, I just said to a guy yesterday, my hope and my goal is that you will never have to call call me again. And it's not because you've done something wrong. It's not because I have a secret, you know, there's not, there's no magic bullet, but when you, but, but if the Lord brings you somebody who is raising up and developing other leaders, when that leader's time is over and they step away, mm-hmm. guess what? You got men and women who are ready to go because they've so they spent their time developing others, not just focused on themselves. That's key, man. I mean, a couple ways that you do that in a regular basis, what does that look like as you develop others? Are they leading worship alongside you? Is it kind of, you know, the lunches and coffees and everything in between? 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to to, to spend too much time on this because this is this <laughs> it, my heart is on fire for for in in this area in the church. Wow. Um, but just a couple practical ways. Number one, we've tried to set up what we call a worship leadership team. So this is a collection of worship leaders, and that is driven by one of the leading values for us, which is plurality of leadership in the area of worship. So uh, it is so good. Who cares if Robbie C is the worship leader at my at our church if I'm mm-hmm. not raising up and investing in others, right? I mean, so so okay, wow. okay, great. You got one worship leader that, you know, is decent. No, there is a plurality here. And by the way, by plurality, I definitely do mean gender. You know, yep. I, I think men and women serving together. And by plurality, I also mean in number. And so mm. when somebody comes to a gathering at Risen, they ought to immediately go, I'm not positive who the main person is. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know who's really in charge. What I sense is all of them are equipped and empowered to lead me wow. and invite me to respond to God. And so there's five of us. Uh, on that team, we meet regularly. We'll meet next week. We and I, I, I have what I call a worship framework. It's when I when I work with churches, I just say, "Look, you want to make this? Let, let's simplify this. Let's call this the worship framework. These are values that are going to inform the leadership." Uh, in in corporate worship, and so so what does that mean? All right, so that sounds good. A lot of leadership terms, but what what does that mean practically? Well, for us, plurality of leadership is a value, and so that immediately informs that one gathering is not led by just one person. That decision yeah. decisions are not made by just one. There's not one person who's choosing settlers or one person who's saying this is the direction of our ministry. Another quick example would be a multi generational approach to corporate worship. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're not doing services that are catering to a certain generation or preference. And so that means that immediately informs, if that's the macro, the micro is that as I'm choosing songs and thinking about my leadership, even just my my body language, I am leading an 80-year-old, a lady named Miss, yep. Miss Jim in our church. We love her. <laughs> uh, G-E-M, Miss Jim. And then uh, we've got, you know, a ton of teenagers and then everybody yeah. in between. And so am I thinking about each of them as I'm preparing and leading songs? And so for us, that means, you know, we're going to have new songs and we're going to have songs written 300 years ago, right? Love it. And, and 15-year-olds, by the way, you don't cater to people. 15-year-olds need to sing uh, century-old songs and 80-year-olds need to learn some new songs. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a catering. Wow. You don't cater to prep, but you say this is a multi-generational approach. Well, that, that informs how we how we lead. And so those are some practicals, man. A worship leadership team and a worship framework, mm. the leading values for you and your church as you're thinking about how, how it informs your, your day-to-day uh, leadership. Well, Robbie, man, as always, dude, I just feel like this is probably one of my favorite conversations I've had on here. And uh, man, we definitely got to get you back. I feel like we're just kind of peeling back some layers on that worship pastor side. Can't wait for the book, Jesus in the Psalms, whatever that looks like, man. I will be the first one to buy it. Yeah. I've uh, sold hey, one. I've sold of, one copy. Yes. There we go. There. Yes. Hey, that's yes. that's yes. worth writing it, right? <laughs> uh, listen, man, we're going to put some uh, links in the uh, in the show notes uh, for all the listeners to just kind of check out some of these Psalms projects that Robbie's diving into. And uh, man, just so grateful for your voice and so grateful for your heart. And I mean, it doesn't take but two seconds to tell uh, you're the real deal, man. Just so genuine. Thanks for spending some time with us on Worshipology, man. Yeah. Let me just say, if you don't mind, uh, just I have a lot of love and res- I have a lot of love and respect for you, 
and I'm grateful. Uh, for, I'm grateful for you. And if there's men and women uh, listening, I, I hope there there are that are in leadership in the church. I just want to say, keep going. Serve your church. Know mm. know your people, and, and I just pray by the Spirit of God that you are encouraged today uh, to minister, to share the good news of the gospel, to write songs that are soaked in His Word, and to and to by the power of the Spirit lead people in responding to the goodness and the graciousness of God. So, um, just blessings to each each of you if you're out there listening. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.